0: You're listening to Braymar Cast, the podcast of Braymar Baptist Church, where we're reaching up to God and out to people. Tune in for sermons from lead pastor Kent Dixon and from time to time, guest preachers as well. Welcome to Braymar Cast. Welcome here for this Sunday, March 5th. My name is Kent Dixon, and it is my joy to be the lead pastor here. So last week, we started a new sermon series called Dumb Things Smart Christians Believe. Enjoy that picture for a moment. It makes me smile every time I look at it. Through this series, we're going to look at a few of the dumb things, so incomplete or mistaken concepts, that some Christians have come to believe over time. And we often do this with the best of intentions. We have no reason, perhaps, to doubt what we've heard or what we've been told by others over time. So let's catch up a bit. In our introduction to the concept of belief last week, we recognized that it actually requires or involves two important factors. It involves trust, trusting in the source of the information in question. And belief also requires faith. It requires us to trust in the things that we can't see, the things that we can't fully comprehend or understand for whatever reason. And so last week, we also dug into Scripture and, and recognized the Bible says two things about belief. First, it says to believe in the sense of having faith means trusting in and having security in who Jesus Christ says he is, Who God the Father says He is as well, and who we are, who we become as a result of those things. And then, second, last week, we considered that to believe in the sense of having faith means belief in Jesus Christ and belief in God the Father, then opens the door to eternal life, to salvation. That's the gateway. And this is exactly what the Bible is telling us about the importance of believing in Jesus Christ and God the Father. These things are the key to being adopted into God's family. Being connected to God's favor. God's God's favor according to his will, not ours. Being reunited with God and others who have gone before us into eternity. These belief elements, belief in Jesus, belief in God the Father, who they are, who they said they are, who they continue to be, are our inheritance. And last week, we considered some of the things that we may have believed to be true. Remember that? We looked at some of the lighter stories in the Bible and said, oh, Adam and Eve ate an apple. Did they? It's not what Genesis says. Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Was he? Most translations say big fish. We assume whale. And we talked about flannel graph last week. I grew up in Sunday school with a Sunday school teacher putting a whale up, putting a garden and an apple. And so we have no reason to question those things, but we recognize sometimes we need to dig deeper because the things that we've come to assume are correct are not necessarily right. So unexpected journeys. Some of you know this about me, but not everyone. During my time in seminary, Michelle and I made it very clear to God that we were open to whatever he had for us, that we wouldn't ever seek to limit his calling on our lives. And so when we were dating, which feels like a million years ago, There was a time when I clearly remember God saying, I need you for a purpose. And at that time, Michelle and I both patted God on the head and said, Oh, Lord, no, no. We're very much in love. So busy. Our whole life is ahead of us. Not a good time. We patted God on the head and said, Thanks, but no thanks. So when this call came again, we said, Ooh, do we say no again? I think not. So during that time, in seminary, I began to feel a pull towards military chaplaincy in my first year. And so despite having no idea what that would involve, I had people saying to me over and over again, do you have a military background in your family? Anyone in your family history? Nope. Anybody a chaplain? Nope. So why? Because God said so. Okay. So when that pull came, we listened to God's leading. We followed what he was saying. And so the military chaplaincy career path, if you don't know it, and I hesitate to say career path in relation to ministry, but it is what it is in that case, it involves two distinct streams. You need to apply through the military side of things and also through the chaplain general's office in Ottawa. So you need to apply in a military sense, be trained as a soldier And go through that process and then also be endorsed by faith leaders and go through that process. So it's pretty involved. And there are many steps and hoops to jump through on both sides, but God's leading continued to be clear. And so despite not being wired for math, I want to get the shirt that says English major, you do the math. The odds were not in my favor, not by a long shot, the military, the military application process is the Canadian Forces Aptitude Test. Might sound like an oxymoron, military aptitude. But my nephew is now going to be annoyed by that. But that's the reality, is that it's very mathematically based, this exam. And it's very intensive, and you get one shot. So I said, Lord, are you sure? Because I'm really not up to this. And he said, yep, I'm sure. So I studied and studied and studied and did practice tests. And ultimately, I passed that Canadian Forces Aptitude Test. I took it on a computer in a room, sweating the whole time, thinking, Lord, you got to have this because I don't. So I still remember going out to meet Michelle and the kids in the car in the parking lot, doing a little dance. I'm Irish, so doing a little jig because I had passed at the officer level. There's no way I did that. No way. Absolutely no chance. Then at the same time, I also became connected with the chaplain general's office in Ottawa to the point where one of the senior chaplains in that office started calling me brother She and I would correspond regularly. She was cheering me on, cheering Michelle and I on through this process. And I have chaplain, military chaplain friends who say, how did you know her? How did you meet her? How did you connect with her? And I said, look up, man, because it wasn't me. Everything was progressing well. These two simultaneous streams were going forward. Little teaser, I'm standing here, right? I passed my military interview. The captain who interviewed me said, awesome, we're glad to have you. We're lucky to have you. My medical exam went boom, boom, boom. Yep, yep, yep. Until, here it comes. Right to the point where the medical tech noticed that I had handwritten in that I had a medical history of kidney stones. And he went, hmm, kidney stones, How recently? And I said, I don't know, a couple years, probably. And he said, so within five then? And I thought, "Uh uh-oh. And he closed my file, and he said, Kent, I'm retiring soon. I'm not allowed to do what I'm about to tell you. But he said, I'm supposed to pat you on the head and send you home, knowing full well you'll get a letter in the mail from Ottawa in a few weeks saying, thanks, but no thanks. So he said, that's the end of the story. So I remember having uh, a contact at in seminary, one of the faculty, and she was shocked that I was not devastated, suicidal, all these things, because she said she had met other people who felt clearly called into military chaplaincy and hit that brick wall, and it was devastating to them. And I said, I've got to trust that God's got this. And I've got to not cling to anything that he brings. So, that one relatively minor detail, I have friends that are military chaplains right now who are still annoyed, <laughs> but it is what it is. There was no way around it, there was no way through it. The door slammed shut. And as I've described it to some people, it slammed shut so hard that the molding around the door cracked. So hard. And I said, "Kay, Lord, got it. I was mad. I was frustrated. I was disappointed. But friends, what I have come to recognize in that, there's more to this unfortunate journey, but what I came to recognize in that, how God has used that for me is that it, is my, it was my Abraham moment. God said to Michelle and I, oh, Kate, you're willing to step up. You're willing to respond to my call in your life. Perfect. Will you leave your city, which we love? Will you be stationed somewhere else in the country? So we gradually opened our fists. And God said, okay, you'll do that. Will you do this? And we said, yes, Lord. And he said, Kate, will you do this? And we said, yes, Lord. And obviously, the cracking molding around the door was God saying, you will do everything I ask. I will not require this of you. Wow. So that's what we have come to recognize that as. So you think that's the end of the story. Well, I also had friends in seminary who confirmed and affirmed my gifting for chaplaincy in a hospital setting. And I have friends that are still serving in military and hospital chaplaincy and say, why am I here and you're not? This makes no sense. But again, I had two interviews for the kind of training that is required for hospital chaplaincy. The first one was bizarre. The second one, even more bizarre. And I will forever remember walking out of that interview someone from uh, New Brunswick on a Zoom uh, part of the meeting, people in the room, I felt grilled like a salmon. I walked out to my car and started to laugh. And I said, Father, I get that this is not the road. I get it, cracked molding again. But I said, I trust that what you have is better than any of this ever could be. And message received. So, against all odds, you're passed up for a job or a promotion that seemed like a sure thing. A diagnosis of a health situation takes a sudden turn, something you didn't expect, becomes far more serious than you could have ever imagined. A friendship or a romantic relationship that you thought would last forever suddenly and abruptly ends due to whatever circumstances. You experience something in your life that changes the course or direction of your life for the foreseeable future. It leaves you shaken and uncertain. But you know, everything happens for a reason. (laughs) It's a phrase we hear. All too often, I believe. We maybe use it ourselves. We've heard it from others in our circumstances. And it seems to be most often used when bad things happen. Can you recognize that? People don't say, happy birthday. Everything happens for a reason. They say, your mom died of cancer, but everything happens for a reason. When we experience loss or discouragement or uncertainty or failure or grief, we hear that phrase. Have you ever had someone say those words to you at some point in your life? Or maybe you've said them to someone else. It's a go-to expression that has become common, right? It has essentially become so common that it's a cliché. So why do we say that? I had a friend in seminary. I had lots of friends. Still some of them maintain today. Uh, but he and I had, he had lost his mother recently, and I had lost my father, and we decided for a theology assignment to get up and talk about the awkward things that we say to people when they're grieving and give people a lens into why they're not helpful And then give people alternatives of things to say. So, why do we say things like this? Well, I believe the words come from something we need to say. We we feel awkward. We feel awkward or uncomfortable in the midst of someone else's difficult circumstances, sadness, grief, disappointment, and we feel like we need to help. We need to pitch in. We need to step up. These are all uncomfortable and awkward emotions, and they usually result from uncomfortable or painful circumstances. And in many ways, I think you could probably see this, our society has come to ignore them. We tend to be look-on-the-bright-side kind of people, don't we? In many ways, our society ignores them, like I said. We seek to move past them. We may tend to encourage people to, you've probably heard this before, to move on. To, as I said, look on the bright side. Or perhaps, worst of all, maybe you've heard this, the idea that we need to somehow get over it. But the emotions, these emotions that we've talked about, they may seem negative but they are just as valid. They are just as part of the human condition as joy or celebration. And they're just as unique from individual to individual. And they're deserving of attention and care. Everything happens for a reason. I believe sometimes we say things like that because maybe it's better than saying nothing at all. You know what I've learned when I'm grieving? Sometimes just a hug is lots. Or even an I'm sorry is lots. But we say things like this with the best of intentions. I think, as I said, we're trying to fill the awkward silence. We're trying to deflect awkward emotions. Or we may say them because we are genuinely, sincerely trying to bring comfort and hope to someone who feels hopeless. But I believe it can actually be damaging to someone, particularly a person who believes in God, when we hear the words, everything happens for a reason, especially when it's connected to a tragedy in our life. Why? Well, I believe those words suggest that whether you like it or not, there's a reason something bad happened to you. Can you recognize that? Can you relate to that? And that may even suggest to the person who's on the receiving end of it that the bad things or tragedy that have happened to them, especially for someone who believes in God, are actually somehow, in some bizarre way, God's plan for them, God's intention for their life that bad things are actually what God has in mind for them. That's not great, is it? Can you see how that can cause someone to begin to get a broken image of how God sees them, how God sees their circumstances? Can you see how it might start to give someone the impression that God is an aloof and spiteful being, that he is somehow putting them through the ringer Just for fun. The risk here is also that it suggests that things just happen. That everything is random and that there is no intention or design or form to it at all. Is that what we believe? That's not what we believe. But I hope, so I hope we can recognize that's not true. That's absolutely not true. And that's not what we want to suggest to other people, that they should believe that things are random and purposeless in their life. And sometimes I think each of us need to be reminded that there is order, there is purpose to our lives overall, to our story. Our lives are not just a series of random events that happen with no rhyme or reason to them at all. Do you believe that? I hope you don't. So let's seek to find some truth that lies behind this dumb thing that we're looking at today. Especially for Christians, I think we suggest to someone, when we suggest to someone, that everything happens for a reason, we actually may mean something very different from what the average person who uses that phrase means. There's no question that sometimes Life is just life. We live in a sinful and broken world. It is a fallen world. Sometimes poop just happens. I asked a pastor friend if it was okay to say poop, and he said, yeah, I think so. But you know the phrase. Things do not go according to plan. News is not always good. Endings are not always good. Happy. But we can find comfort in knowing that none of what happens in our lives, not a single thing that happens, will be wasted by God as He seeks to shape us. So, how can we trust that? How can we have faith in that? How can we believe that? It's because the Bible says it's true. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, and I would argue that it's probably the most encouraging and hopeful one you're ever going to find, is Romans 8:28. Say it with me. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8:28. In some things, in several things, in the vast majority of things? No, in all things, period. So does it always feel like that? If you're like me, probably not at times. One writer I read said, "It is often hard to discern God's goodness in the midst of throbbing grief sorry, the throbbing pain of grief or in the uncertainty of an oncology ward." However, at the end of history, in light of a glorious eternity, the goodness of God's purposes will be fully understood. What Paul tells the Roman Christians here is not that we live in the best possible world. Not at all. What Paul is getting at here is that we are being prepared for the best possible world and in the best possible way. As the theologian Augustine once wrote, God is so good as to permit no evil to exist. Except that God is so powerful to be able to draw something good from any evil. Isn't that powerful? God is so good as to permit no evil to exist. Except that God is so powerful to be able to draw something good from any evil. Friends, there is always something to be learned through the ups and downs of our lives here on earth. But here is the key. Here's something to take away from you, with you, sorry. We need to be open to what God may be looking to teach us. We need to be quick to ask him to help us learn. I think that's the part we forget. Lord, help me, get me out of this situation. I don't really want to learn from it. I don't want to be uncomfortable. We need to be quick to ask him to teach us, help us learn. And we need to be willing to submit ourselves and every circumstance of our lives to that process. Not always easy. Everything that happens to us is seen by God. Everything. Every tear we shed is seen by him and he grieves with us. And through the good and bad things that happen in our lives, in all things, God has a plan for our lives and everything that happens to us in our lives has a purpose in that plan. So maybe next time, we can think of instead of saying everything happens to, for a reason let's consider saying god sees you and he is with you in this and so am i you've been listening to braemar cast the podcast of braemar baptist church we hope you enjoyed this episode Please subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. You can also visit our website at BraemarBaptist.com That's B-R-A-E-M-A-R Baptist.com God bless you.